Hello and welcome to Farmland. This week on the programme, I'm joined by Rebecca Tierney, poultry advisor with Chagask, to discuss avian influenza and the growing number of cases in the UK and Ireland. Typically, it comes with the migratory birds that travel to Ireland for the milder climate during the winter periods. And usually this has been started sooner, much sooner this year. So we are seeing higher numbers of, of wild bird cases across the, the coastal areas at the moment. Um, so for our control then, the best way is for us to stop those wild birds mingling with our both backyard flocks and commercial flocks. So simple measures are going to be the, the best way. Avoid them coming to, to your birds. No feeding your birds outdoors, so keep all feeding indoors. That includes putting out any any water sources as well. Um, for your commercial flocks where you receive a, a delivery of feed where it's blown into your bin, should there be any spillages, cleaning that up straight away. And again, avoiding any water or feed outdoors in the ranges. Can you tell us a bit about what happens to the birds when they do contract this disease, when there is an outbreak? Maybe symptoms and what eventually has to be done to, to halt that outbreak? So a number of things um, when we're looking at the high path it's often very high mortality you know mortality spikes quite quickly uh, we see decreased feed intakes decreased production in terms of egg production or average daily gains you're contacting your veterinary company straight away they're coming out and carrying out tests the department are then involved to uh, type the bird flu or the avian influenza that is there and then unfortunately it is a case of culling that flock to prevent the spread. It's, it is the best way to prevent the spread to other farms within that zone or within that area. Because you mentioned there the specific type, so there's, there's a couple of types then of the influenza. Yes, yeah, so we have low path, so low pathogenic avian influenza, which the symptoms are more difficult to pick up on. But then with our high path, as I said, mortality can spike quite quickly. Um, and that is the one that we're seeing circulating at the moment. It is necessary to cull those birds out to prevent the spread to wild, to, to other, other farms in the area and to protect our industry. So coming to then hypothetically a farmer who has a commercial flock and there's been an outbreak in, in their flock, what happens then? There's going to be obviously a mass call of their birds. What happens? Is there compensation? Is there something they can do to make up for that loss? So those birds then are, are culled and there is a couple of cleaning. So there's a preliminary cleaning and disinfection where the, the site is fully cleaned down. All birds, manure and everything is removed from the site. It's left idle then until there's a final clean and disinfection. Upon, for compensation, the department will compensate, and it's from the EU, will compensate for the loss of those birds, um, any bird that has been culled as a result of it, the conf confirmation of high path inf avian influenza is compensated for. So again, prevention is, is better than cure. We don't want to see culls taking place. So it's really to push that biosecurity mes message and ensure that we, we protect our flocks. Okay, so coming on to biosecurity measures then, you know, you hear that term, we need to encourage biosecurity. It's been mentioned before, but maybe just to clarify what exactly biosecurity measures are, what, what are the exact actions that need to be taken? Yeah, no problem. So biosecurity essentially is the prevention of allowing disease into your farm. Yeah. So if we go back to 
not no one wants to talk about, but COVID, we all yeah. wore face masks, we disinfected our hands, and we saw a reduction in our cases. Yeah. We saw a reduction in flus and things like that. So if we go to our bur- our farms, if we can keep ourselves as clean as possible going into our units. Mm-hmm. So the use of PPE, so protective um, clothing, so yeah. disposable overalls, boot covers, uh, gloves, you know, everything like that. Or for a farmer, changing his boots or her boots going in and out of the unit is okay. very, very worthwhile. A simple measure, but very effective. Yeah. You're stopping carrying anything from the outside in. But then we're looking at the likes of any visitors coming to a unit. Yeah. Only allow the really necessary people in. So the likes of your vets, your feed companies, um, your pest control companies, who are going to be crucial in preventing rodents from coming into your unit, which also can carry avian influenza. So, so how does that get managed then? You might have you might have backyard flocks where there's there might be mice, rodents around. How do you kind of manage keeping those out? So your best bet is to just ensure that the the housing that your birds are living in is rodent proof. Okay. Of course you're going to have your doorway where the birds come in and out. Mm. But it's unlikely that mice and birds will use the same access points. Okay. So if you can keep just one access point, of course, if you have a point to collect your eggs, possibly, but ensuring that is, is as rodent proof as possible. Yeah. For the commercial flocks, they will have a pest control company usually contracted to their unit. Mm-hmm. The farmer themselves will check on a weekly basis any activity on the bait points across their units. And then if there's any activity, contacting those rodent control companies or pest control companies to come and look after that. Okay. Then if we look at our wild birds, again, it's just really preventing them from coming in. So in a range or for a free range or organic flock, ensuring that any puddles or potholes that develop in the range are really filled in quite quickly. Okay. So there's no stagnant pools of water, a water access point for those birds. Yeah. Cleaning up your feed and water, keeping your, your unit in general quite tidy for your rodents as well is quite important so that there's no nesting points for them, okay, them animals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then for ourselves, again, we're people that are going in quite regular. The farmers are going in on a, a multiple times a day. So ensuring that they are reducing the risk of them carrying that through to their own farm. And what about then when when there is an outbreak and we hear about, you know, keeping your birds housed? If there's is that to do with when there's been an outbreak in a certain radius or a certain distance from a, a unit or when do poultry farmers have to look at that option of housing their birds full-time? So that, that housing order is announced by the Department of Agriculture. Okay. It is them who decides on that and there's multiple factors that come into it. Mm. They look at the number of wild bird cases and how prevalent they are, their location to our more densely populated poultry areas. The weather is also a factor. The mm. colder it gets, the more likely there is going to be more wild birds, but also the, the survivability of the, the avian influenza in the environment. So the, the housing order then means that all those birds, while uh, your free range or organic birds will then be housed indoors. Yeah. That it's kind of a last resort measure. Yeah. Biosecurity is so much more important than looking at a housing order. So okay. if all our producers and all our backyard flocks can ramp up their biosecurity, we, we can push that housing order date down the road. And to come on to maybe free range organic farmers, where we all like to think birds are out and around pecking outside, if they're housed, is there any risk there of damage to an organic status? Or you know would they maybe be at risk of losing that free range label if they have to keep their birds housed in? 
So there's a derogation in place okay. for that. So when a housing order comes in, there's a derogation for both eggs and meat producers. Okay. Um, it's that they will be allowed to classify their eggs for that. So the longer we can push that out, the more likely we are to get out of that, that risk period. Okay, so, again, so it really is about those preventative measures. Absolutely. And, you know, is there maybe a piece there of public awareness as well? Because you mentioned wild birds, yeah. which are out and about everywhere. Do the public need to be aware of this as well as those in the poultry industry? Absolutely. So we've seen it on the news in, in the last year as well. Very important for the public not to touch any or lift any dead birds. Okay. The best protocol is to contact the Department of Agriculture in their area and they will remove that bird and test it to see has it passed away from avian influenza and they'll be then fit to type it and we'll know our risk measures then how close we are to maybe looking at a housing order. Um, okay. So very important for the public to avoid contact uh, with those dead birds. So coming back to the Department of Agriculture then and maybe to their reaction times when we hear about outbreaks in the UK, are they constantly looking out for what could potentially come in Ireland's way? Are they reacting quick enough or do you think they could maybe be doing a bit more on avian influenza? So the department, to be fair to them, are on the ball with their mm. updates and they keep in contact with the industry um, very, very quickly. The National Disease Control Centre, they email as cases come in, both in wild birds and commercial flocks. Yeah. Anyone can be signed up to that email listing. Uh, so that includes you and I, or our poultry producers, our backyard flocks. And it keeps everybody very much up to date on what, what is happening out there. The department mm -hmm. are in regular contact with, with the industry. So that includes our egg packing centres, our processors on the meat side, um, also the vets, the mills are all in on that. Okay. Um, so they, they are kept up to date with meetings, online meetings, very regularly with the department. And then the department are also in contact with the, the department in the UK and Northern Ireland because okay. we have that cross-border, um, yeah. you know. Because we, we see it with, you know, when we hear fears about foot and mouth, African swine fever in, in pigs, that potential porous border between the north of Ireland and the Republic, that can pose another, an extra risk, I suppose, for, you know, the transfer of diseases between the countries. Of course, when we look at what happened last year, um, there was our protection and surveillance zones, which are the three and 10 kilometre zones, which are established after an outbreak. Yeah. They did actually cross the border. So some okay. of our cases did cross into the Northern Ireland and some of their protection zones then crossed into ours. So it's very important for the two departments to be in very close contact to keep everybody up to date on what is happening. And that is the case, thankfully. They're very quick to react with having um, a company lined up for the culling of the birds to ensure that the, the spread is, is limited. Okay. And obviously yourself as poultry advisor with Chagisk, I think you said you've been there three years now. So yep. you're obviously passionate about these biosecurity measures and, you know, keeping keeping things on the ground going over well. So what are you hearing maybe from the ground, from the poultry farmers on the ground? Is there fear? Are they worried? Of course, there's always going to be fear with, with this. You know, there's a chance that they may potentially lose their flock. Yeah. But the best way to do that is to in increase their biosecurity measures, be very strict on who they allow on their unit, ensuring that they have their foot dips, their spray um, available for anyone that does need to come on unit, avoiding maybe people coming on site. Yeah. If they can park their vehicle away from the unit, 
best thing to do. So ensuring everyone wears their PPE, keeping a visitor log on who is coming on your site, where they've been last, um, and all those type of small measures, simple, but very effective. The changing of footwear going into a unit. So we have a thing called a step over barrier. Okay. So as you enter into a lobby area, you're going to change your footwear at that physical barrier and you're leaving the potential bacteria or virus that you're carrying on your shoes in that dirtier zone of okay. your lobby area. And you go into a clean zone where you're wearing house-specific clothing and house-specific shoes and they don't go outside. So even there's biosecurity boots available that have no grooves on the soles of them. They won't carry any dirt. Okay. And to leave them for house-specific clothing and house-specific shoes are, are simple but effective again. And prevention is always better than cure. So I cannot okay. reiterate enough how important biosecurity is. Okay. And, and so always, I'm free to contact, contact your veterinary um, company as well. And I suppose just to mention on the department's behalf as well, there is free biosecurity audits available to poultry producers where they can have a veterinary company come out assess the biosecurity on their farm and make recommendations to improve it. Okay, so loads of help out there. Absolutely. And prevention is always better. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me on Farmland. Thank you. And that's it from this episode of Farmland. Thank you for tuning in. You can keep up to date with all the latest agricultural news on agriland.ie 